come as we uh, start this portion. It's actually in Luke 3.18 is where we start. So with many other exhortations, He, that's John the Baptist, preached the Gospel to the people. But when Herod the Tetrarch was reprimanded by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the wicked things which Herod had done, Herod also added this to them all. He locked John, the greatest man on earth, locked him up in prison. Now, when all the people were baptized... Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. I must decrease. He must increase. Okay, in this story, you find something kind of interesting. This question we have to ask right here is, why was John's imprisonment placed before Jesus got baptized? Why does Luke put it that way? Have you ever wondered about that? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We have here him being put into prison, and the very next verse we see Jesus being baptized. Who baptized Jesus? John the Baptist. Why do we have that one verse preceding this then? Do you find that kind of interesting? It's interesting that Luke would present it this way. Everybody else presents it in in its more of a chronological way. Luke is not intending chronology here, you know, in time. And so that will maybe help clear confusion up a little bit. Of course, you see that in movies. You see it in stories, you know, in books, where they will go, the writer will go ahead and tell what happened to somebody before it happens in the story. And that's what Luke is doing. It. He has an emphasis here that he's trying to do. He's trying to wrap up the story of John and reach forward to tell you that the story ends so that he can now turn to Jesus. He's reaching forward that he wants to show the ministry of Jesus. Now, John the Baptist will show up from time to time in the book of Luke. So he's one of those actors that, you know, has been, you know, killed, but they're a main actor, and you wonder how they're going to present this. And of course, then we see him in time there with them. You know, you get the story before the story happens. Or the the action. So he wants to turn to Jesus right here, and he wants the focus to be put on the ministry, the life of Christ. It's like, okay, we're done with John the Baptist. At least for now. And we want to move on with Jesus. So, we look at verse 18. So with many other exhortations, besides preaching repentance, he had other messages that he preached, John the Baptist. With many other exhortations, he preached the Gospel to the people. So, he, you know, he taught them. He taught them the Kingdom of God. And so he gave them a lot of stuff that Jesus would be preaching about. Of course, Jesus is the prophet, isn't He? So we get the idea of the chronology here. um, And there's an overlapping, first of all, that we want to put. Even though, and what we're really trying to get at, there is an abrupt point where Luke says, 
John the Baptist ministry, the Old Testament time period, from Genesis all the way up to the time of John the Baptist, that time is now over, Luke is saying. And we're going to focus now on Jesus and His ministry. But there's an overlapping time that Luke doesn't really tell us about. He makes it abrupt. And there is. There's an abruptness to John the Baptist and then Jesus. But it's not like boom, boom, you know, like where it's cut off. Uh, There's six months that he does and then six months he continues as Jesus does. And we'll get into that and that's the point that we're trying to make. But first of all, we do have to admit that there is an overlapping. Um, He he preached repentance. He forgiveness of sins. He's pointing to the Messiah. Even when Jesus is out ministering now too. As soon as Jesus was baptized, we know that He goes into the wilderness. Even in Luke, after we get the genealogy, we get uh, Luke 4, the temptation of Christ. Matthew also would do that. As he talks about the temptation of Christ, it was after that baptism and and off he goes. Um, The people are looking to the Messiah, aren't they? Even as John the Baptist is there, they're, they're looking to the ultimate, but some are confused and some are thinking what? that John the Baptist is the Messiah. With the message that he had, and as powerful as he was with it, people are tired of Roman oppression. Uh, You are not your own people. You're not your own country. The Romans are the rulers of the world. You're underneath them. They're tired of it. The Messiah comes. He will put a stop to this and we'll have the kingdom right there. John is preaching good news, other uh, dealing with repentance and baptizing people. John is doing that. Jesus is now doing it. It's it's six months into Jesus' ministry, and uh, this is about when that's going to happen with, with John. But John, John continued to prepare the people, even as Jesus is out there. So there there is our overlapping, uh, but. John the Baptist, during those six months, you can imagine that ministry is just fading out. <coughs> Even though it's part of the plan to continue to preach it, Jesus is doing He's not going to have the following at first that He will later. He is now starting to get a following, and a lot of that following that was with John the Baptist is now coming over to Jesus. That's, that's what's going on there. And you know what? John had no jealousy whatsoever. John is totally a humble man. And he clearly understood what God's plan is here. He exalted Christ as superior to Himself. And we looked at it last week. I'm not even worthy to untie His shoestrings. You know, to, to, uh, I'm not worthy to clean His feet. You know, and that's the lowliest of all the lowly jobs. And he says, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy to be in the presence of Christ. This is John the Baptist, and everybody's going out to see him at this time. He could have been very prideful in what was going on there, couldn't he? But no, he didn't. Uh, so John three, verse twenty two, let's look at that overlapping just for uh, another moment or two, and then we'll get into really what, what's happening here as far as Luke is concerned. And John three twenty two says, after these things, Jesus and His disciples came into the land of Judea. 
And there he was spending time with them and baptizing. Now this is after John the Baptist has baptized him. But look at this. John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there. And people were coming and were being baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. That's a key phrase right there. John had not yet been thrown into prison. And that's our marking line. And that's where we're at in Luke. This is, this is what's being stressed. He kept his ministry in doing that until he was thrown into prison. That's interesting. He's baptizing Jesus. The disciples are baptizing. They have two different ministries going on, but really it's the same ministry, isn't it? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's go ahead and read the rest of this. This helps us out. This is all the time period that we're dealing with. We're in John 3.25 now. Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with the Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, you've been testifying and talking about him, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. How do you get the story here? John the Baptist is really starting to really decrease now. The people are going to Jesus. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. He received that ministry from God. Jesus has that ministry. You yourselves are my witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of Him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, you know who the bride is? The bride is the bride of Christ. Who's that? The church. He says, "Who? the church is the bride. Uh, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. The bridegroom has us. That's who? Christ. But the friend of the bridegroom, who's that? It's John the Baptist. It's the best man. Who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. And here's our phrase. He must increase, but I must decrease. John the Baptist keeps going. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth, like me, John the Baptist says, is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. So he's answering the disciples. This is why we're decreasing. What he has seen and heard of what he testifies and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without (coughs) measure. He gives the Spirit without measure. There's a measure given to us, but to Christ, full measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand, even us. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Here's that famous 3.36 of John. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. John the Baptist just had to put that in, didn't he? The wrath of God. He's talking about the love of God and the Son and you know eternal life. But if you don't trust in Him, if you don't repent, then you'll not see. 
life with Christ. Now, that's a lot of information about John the Baptist. I think you read that and you go, he was all about Christ. The great ministry that he had, it was writing for six months. What happened? Man, we had crowds. He didn't care about crowds. He didn't care about himself. Didn't care about what he ate. <laughs> what, he what he wore. What he drank. Drank water. He didn't even drink wine. His Nazarite vow. So, here's John the Baptist. He's about Christ. That's what he tells the disciples. Guys, it's not about me. It's, it's time to fade out of here. Look in Luke 7. Now, this is the Gospel that we're in, right? We look in Luke 7. We jump ahead a little bit. And I told you, you will see John the Baptist a little bit later. John 7.24, When the messengers of John had left, he began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Jesus says. A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who are splendidly clothed and live in luxury are found in royal palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, indeed. And one who is more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I say to you, among those born of women, here we go, there is no one greater than John. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What? He's talking about us. We are the bride. John the Baptist is the last prophet representing the Old Testament. And he's saying the people that are the bride of Christ, it's not ultimately that, well, he's going to be less than us now. But in a sense, we have privileges that he didn't have. We have the privileges after the cross. Filled with the Holy Spirit as He was filled. Remember, Holy Spirit was upon Him. All believers had it. But there was a time when the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2 where He resides in us. And we look at that and we have full revelation in the apostles' writing and such. That's why we have more of a privilege than John the Baptist. He saw it coming, so he was still in the Old Testament. Just like all the other Old Testament people, prophets, priests and kings and whoever. We are the bride of Christ. He was the best man. The friend of the bridegroom. And he says, look how great he is. Look at the position that all the people who believe in me now are a part of. So, a lot more that we get out of that right there. John had questions. The disciple, his disciples had questions. What's going on? And he, we went to all this hoopla, all these verses that we look at, to help us with Luke and why he would put the passage about John the Baptist being arrested. And then, boom, the next thing you know, Jesus is being uh, baptized by the one who was arrested. 
but it's who will be arrested. Now, do you follow me clearly? I probably muddied it all up. You were starting to get it, and, and now it's like, oh, I don't know what you're saying, right? Hopefully, yeah, that's why I went to do what I did there. Here's the point as we go back to our Luke 3. The point is a break between the Old Testament and New Testament. Such an odd order of events. There is a point. The point is, it's the break between John's ministry and Jesus' ministry. Even though there is an overlapping, as far as Luke is concerned, it's time for me now to go to impressing Jesus. So that's what he does. Uh, when Jesus started preaching, that, that meant that there was a tremendous turning point. Just, just uh, you know, later on, I, you know, six more months. I mean, it's it's going to be fully. But even right now. Uh, we see this. So when Jesus started preaching and, and was to mention John's imprisonment even before Jesus comes on the scene, that's what we have here. If you look in Luke 16.16, 16, Luke uh, says something like this to help us again. The law and the prophets, now what is that? What's the law and the prophets? Old Testament. Were proclaimed until who? John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. Everybody's trying to line up and get up in there. Pressing themselves, trying to get into the kingdom. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter of the law to to fail. He's saying the law and the prophets haven't been done away with. They are there, but they are fulfilled. There is a dividing point between what was Old Covenant and New Covenant. Get that point, because that's really key. And that's what Luke is really hitting on us now. Yes, they became saved because of the cross, but it hadn't happened yet. But it will. And that's the transition time. And so that's why even Jesus says that. This gospel of the kingdom now is here. They were proclaimed, the law and the prophets, until John. So, our Luke passage, we read that now. But when Herod the Tetrarch was reprimanded by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, because of all the wicked things which Herod had done, Herod also added this to them all. He locked John up into prison. And then you have Jesus' baptism. Odd order. I keep impressing that. Go to Matthew 4, verse 12 through 17. Verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, that's the verse that we just read in verse 20 of Luke. He withdrew into Galilee. It's really basically in close to the same area. It was in Judea and such. Uh, John the Baptist, of course, out in the wilderness, but kind of paralleled with each other there. As soon as he was taken into prison, Jesus hears that and he immediately starts going up to Galilee. I say up to Galilee, that's north. That's kind of in the area where he had grown up. And leaving Nazareth, 
So he's going to go out of Nazareth. He came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. And that was really where he was going to stay now. He's leaving home. He's leaving Nazareth and going further up to the Sea of Galilee. It's where he's going to have his headquarters. The ministry now is fully blown at the very moment that John is arrested. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, that's that area, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of Gentiles, he points out exactly where it's going to be. This is right out of Isaiah. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. Did you know John the Baptist testified of the light? That light, John said, is not me, but it's this expected one. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. He gets into Galilee. And on that whole area, the people were hayseeds. Uh, They were people... By the Judeans, they kind of made fun of, laughed at. And of, course you, of course, you have the Samaritans who they severely hated. Galileans, they didn't really recognize too much. They're lesser, whatever. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Does that sound familiar? John the Baptist has been doing that. This is the time of where we're at now as we look in Luke 3. Matthew says it here in his Matthew 4. Jesus began His ministry. And that's very abrupt. That verse 12 was really key there in our Matthew 4. Jesus is launching His full public ministry. It had been the early stages of ministry, but once John went into prison... It exploded on the scene. Things really started happening. John the Baptist never came out of prison. Now get this. This is God's chosen one. Brings him on earth to be prepared. Does a ministry for six months that's explosive. And in the last six months it kind of fades out. Once he went into prison after that, Jesus steps on to the stage in full array of his public ministry, the work of that great prophet was done. I'm sure in prison he still proclaimed, but really his ministry is done. And you'd say, man, John, what happened? What'd you do? He did everything that God wanted him to do. By his will, he said, well, why is, why is he in prison? Do you think John the Baptist probably thought that too? I tend to think so. Matter of fact, he asked his disciples who were visiting him in prison, he said, hey, is that him or not? Is, is he the Messiah? They go back, ask him questions, and he tells them, you know, go tell them that, you know, I, I, uh, I heal the blind and the lame, the deaf here. You know, he's been doing those things. And then John says, okay. So Luke 3.21 says, Now when all the people were baptized, and that's another one that makes it very abrupt, there are more people that John's going to baptize later, but he's emphasizing this is near the end of his ministry really. 
Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. Or it could be, you know, at that time there was a whole line of people and Jesus was at the very last of a line. It can mean that too. Or it can mean that after these six months, even though it's going to be more, it's more or less marking a sign here. Jesus comes after all the ones who had been baptized, or He's showing that now this is time where this ministry is going to start. It's going to begin... Let's back up in verse uh, 19 now. You, you see Herod there. Uh, Herod pops up in the Gospels, I know, uh, you notice, quite frequently. This is Herod the Tetrarch. You say, Herod the Tetrarch. There's so many Herods in the Bible, I'm confused. <laughs> I know, every time I read it, wait a minute, which, which Herod is this? Well, there was Herod the Great. And when Jesus was born, that was the one who killed the two-year-old boys, male, two years and under, right? That's Herod the Great. He was an evil man. He was a wicked man. Well, he had sons. He had uh, others that he divided up after him and uh, came uh, into what was known as four quadrants. uh, Tetrarch. Tetra means four. So he's one of the tetrarchs or one of those four that's leading and he's the ruler of Galilee and Perea. He knew about John the Baptist. Boy, did he ever. even liked to hear him. He didn't like what he said a lot about himself though. Uh, Herod the tetrarch, his father is Herod the Great. He died in 4 B.C. He, or, or you can say, wait a minute, wait a minute. The calendar really freaks me out here because 4 BC, Jesus was born during the time of Herod the Great. Yeah, uh, well, I don't want to confuse you up, but according to those calendars, calendars switched, and you know, you have the Julian calendar, and then there was the, the Hebrew calendar and such, and that's where confusion can happen. But really, uh, Jesus could, by most scholars say, was born probably in 4 B.C. Now, how does that make sense? You know? So I thought he was born in the year zero, right? Whatever. But we're talking four to maybe even six years. There's uh, not a discrepancy in Scripture, but a discrepancy in human calendars and whenever they're transferred over. But, but that's awfully close. Only, you know, God's Word is perfect. It's never just awfully close. Man's calendars are awfully close, but, you know, they're not absolutely in perfect uh, harmony with God's calendar. Uh, but he ruled for 42 years, this Herod Antipas. Basically, most of the time of the life of Christ, he ruled. All the way through Jesus' ministry, he was ruling there in Galilee, Perea. That's a long time for someone to rule, isn't it? It's a long time, 42 years. Um, his wickedness is mentioned here by Luke. And because of all the wicked things which Herod had done. Wicked things. You know what? He said, hey Luke, why didn't you mention a few of them? It's too long to list. <laughs> he wanted to get to Jesus real quick. Like, you know, he just covers it real quick. Hey, this is the one who was wicked. He arrested John the Baptist, put him in prison. He was a wicked man. People wouldn't know about that. Uh, but there was definitely one sin that was very blatant among all other sins too. Being among this wicked man, all the wicked things that he did. 
he had a relationship with a woman named Herodias who was his brother's wife. Now think about that. You have a brother and... Uh, oh, that's my brother's wife. That, what is she in relation to him? That's a sister-in-law. And uh, he just uh, more or less allures, seduces her into you know his life and his palace. Goes from one brother who was a ruler to another brother who's a ruler. Herod had divorced his own wife, so you have divorce here. You have this um, relationship that's illegal, you know, with the wife of your brother, and it's a terrible thing. It's a half brother, is what he is. And by the way, she is also his own niece. Now we're getting into what incest. The story just keeps getting deeper, doesn't it? People knew this. Everybody knew it. He wasn't shameful at all. She wasn't shameful. John the Baptist is preaching up in that area. John, don't don't bother with it. John says, no. no. Preach sin and repentance. Forgiveness of sins. I'm going to name the sin. Oh, John, don't, don't, you're, you're, you're doing okay. Just be cool here. So, divorce, seduction, incest, oh, amongst all those other things, and of course, murder and all the other things. Adultery going on here, right? John confronts Herod with the violation of God's law. Herod really is not a Jew. He's an Idumean. Uh, he does rule in that area, but he's appointed by the Romans. John just boldly proclaimed the Gospel. Told the truth. He said, you're under the law of God just like everybody else is. What you're doing is wrong. You need to repent from your sins. You need your sins forgiven. Repent from what you're doing. This incest and this adultery. Taking your brother's wife. This is evil. It's wicked. Well, what does he do? He locks John up. He doesn't want him to be broadcasting that all over the area. He locks him up. John didn't soften the message. This is not lawful. This is not right. You can't have this woman. Now John's boldness was a call to repentance. He's calling a man to repent of his sin, regardless of who he was. It didn't matter to John. So he's going to tell him, and he did. But he did tell him that there is forgiveness of sins. And that he would repent. Let's look in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. Starting verse 3. For when Herod had John arrested, he bound him and put him in prison. That's where we're at in our Luke passage. Because of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. Do you see a little more detail there? 
For John had been saying to him, we get the rest of the story here, right? It is not lawful for you to have her. Although Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd. Remember the crowds that he had? We're talking thousands that were coming to him. If he does anything, this is going to be a riot. That's what he fears. Good reason not to kill him yet, right? He wants to kill him. But yet he respects his righteousness. We know too in other texts. But he he's afraid of the people. I think he's afraid of God too. Because they regarded John as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias... Now catch this. The daughter of Herodias, the one that he's playing around with, Herodias, has a daughter. Now look what she gets involved with. She's there at the birthday party. Okay. She danced before them and pleased Herod. Back in those days, they'd do stuff like It's basically a stag party. It was men. They'd do their drinking and that was their carousing and they have birthday party and all the stuff that went with it. So here's this birthday boy along with his, the, the daughter of Herodias. So much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. He was just lured by her dancing. So he says, oh, and he's drunk. And he says something he probably maybe shouldn't have said as he realizes later, but he makes a promise. The promise is, hey, I'll give you whatever you want. Having been prompted by her mother, she said, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. Although he was grieved, he didn't want to do that. Even in his drunkenness, the king commanded it to be given because of his oaths and because of his dinner guest. How embarrassing it would be to make a promise like that and then to back out on it. He's more fearful of his own people that are around than really of what is right. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison. Remember, this is a wicked man. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl and she brought it to her mother. His disciples came and took away the body. John the Baptist buried it. They went and reported it to Jesus. Can you imagine how the disciples, those disciples felt on that? This is something that really, really happened. Look at Mark 6.19. This is the greatest man up to this time period, up to the time of Christ. Look what happened to him. Look how he went. That's not the way we would have designed it. God and His sovereignty does things that just don't make sense to us. Can you imagine what a disciple John the Baptist could have been? Can you imagine some of the Gospels? Maybe he could have written a Gospel or an epistle. Have you ever thought about that? He never had any writings. He didn't have any books. He didn't have any church to preach at. Mark 6, what did I say, 19? For Herodias had a grudge against him, John the Baptist, and wanted to put him to death and could not do so. So all the time she wanted that to happen, Herod wouldn't let it happen. So she has a scheme, uses her daughter in such a lewd and vile way, it doesn't matter to them. And so therefore we have this, and so she played right into the hands for this to happen. 
Oh, so she finally gets her desire. Why was she so mad about it? Because she was a part of this deal too, along with Herod. She's the one who left her husband. That's an evil and wicked thing. God hates divorce. John the Baptist puts it forth. Here it is. Our time period is very evil and wicked. What's one of the things that's involved in the church today that's so evil and wicked? We see the same kind of things going on. People who profess to be Christians and yet they are doing these kind of things. And so, John the Baptist calls everybody on the carpet. We see the result of it. He was locked into prison. Josephus tells us it was Fort Marcaris, and that was seven miles northeast of the Dead Sea. So it's really close around there. A beautiful place. It's a great place to go in the wintertime to stay, you know, nice and warm down there. Uh, he, he had a summer palace, so, you know, whatever. Also, there were hot springs in that area. You know, you think of hot springs and what a cool place or a warm place to be. Yeah. Uh, he, had, he had dungeons there. There were two dungeons, or uh, I think so. And, and so he was angered and he put John into one of them. But he did fear the consequences. So he puts him in there and he wants to kill him, but no, I've got to wait for the right time. Herodias has the grudge. We read that. And there, there is a text that says um, that Herod knew that John was a holy man and he was a righteous man. And he liked to listen to him. That's interesting. That's very interesting. He's a powerful speaker. He's a good speaker, this man. He's quite unique. Kind of toyed with the idea, you know. Probably, you know, maybe having conversations with John the Baptist. John the Baptist never backed down. So, uh, anyway, the birthday party, the dancing girls, the feasting, the drunkenness, Herodias uses her own daughter. And at any rate, whatever Herodias' daughter is doing, it's pleasing Herod uh, very much. And he's in his drunken, gluttonous stupor that he was in. Um, all sorts of things going on. Seduction and sensibility happening there. And He really became a prey to his own lusts that he had. Herod did. What a stupid promise he made. He didn't have to make that. Says he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Uh oh. That hatched the plot. Give me on a platter the head of John the Baptist. You're kidding, right? <laughs> It'll... No. That's what we're asking for. He was too prideful to break his public oath with the people there. They're having a great time. And, okay, let's just finish this off with a head on the platter. And, you know, this, this man is just absolutely foolish. He's wicked. He's evil. And so it's done. Do you know in history there was a man by the name of Cicero? Do you know the story of Cicero? Well, he was brought to Fulvia. You probably said, who's that? Well, she was the wife of Mark Antony. Oh, in history I remember something about Mark Antony. 
What was going on there? Well, she spat on the head of Cicero when his head was brought to her and drew out the tongue. And that was the tongue that had so very well, eloquently, had spoken against here the Mark Antony and condemned Mark Antony. So Cicero, who had been condemning that, now has his tongue drawn out of his mouth. She pierced that tongue with her hairpin and with bitter jibes, it says. Jerome took that incident and he commented about it and says that Herodias did the same with the head of John the Baptist. That's what she did. In history it says she spit on it pulled out the tongue and pierced it. We don't have that in our Scriptures, but historically that could have been what was there. At any rate, his head was chopped off. That's enough. right? He was murdered about a year after he had been in prison. But I'll tell you what, even though he suffered going to prison for a year, do you know he got a glorious reward? it goes much further than what this life has to offer. When we go through some very difficult times, low times, do you know it's really about Christ and what He's doing to us to make Him more like Him? He uses these incidents. I think He stands as a model. He's a permanent model for what faithfulness uncompromising believing and preaching the Word of God is about. John the Baptist, as we look at here, ought to convict us more to be like Him in many senses where Christ is no matter what to our thinking. The coming of Jesus meant the going of John. And you know what? That's okay. That's good. It's great. This is God's plan. Although Herod is responsible for doing that. Just like all the sinners, the Romans, the Jews, and us, us individually, for Christ being crucified. Although that plan was made before the foundations of the world, long before there were even people. That's what we've been studying on our second Thessalonians. We finally finished that chapter. We finished in an all its glory last Tuesday night because it was about the election of God. Because we had dealt with the depravity of man and what is known as reprobation. John the Baptist preached those same things. We don't see the clear doctrine of election in there, but it's there in the sense here are God's people and here are the ones who don't trust Him, don't repent. They will be punished for eternal life. So, the coming of Jesus means the going of John. And now, what Luke does right here is what we are stressing this whole day. It's the ministry of John is done. Jesus proceeds. 
because at the very point that he heard about John being in prison, that's where things take off. But now we go back to the baptism. <laughs> you know, in this kind of order that Luke puts, but it's not really chronological, right? Now when all the people, verse 21, were baptized, Jesus was also baptized, and while He was praying, heaven was opened. Let's stop there. Okay, why was Jesus baptized? Jesus doesn't need to be baptized. He didn't have sin. And John the Baptist preached repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And what did that baptism represent? Repentance and forgiveness of sins. But things are changing here. Jesus was without sin, and, and uh, of course, Luke 3.3, 3, we could just back up. Um, we see that John the Baptist, here's what he's preaching. He came into all the district around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Why the baptism? Well, if we were to go to 2 Corinthians 5.21, which is a great text, it's a great memory verse, it should be highlighted in our minds, because it says, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's the great exchange. Our sin went on Christ and Christ's righteousness went on us because He knew no sin. He never sinned. Hebrews 4.15, you don't have to turn there, same thing. We know that Jesus is without sin, so why does He have to be baptized? Well, Jesus' baptism is of special significance. And it came at the climax of John the Baptist's ministry, really. There's six more months, but that's why we spend all this time saying, really, what this is really signifying is that Jesus is ready to do His ministry. It is that time. It's special. It's significant. And another thing, baptism is not the primary thing here. Putting into the water. It's because God's voice is heard from heaven. God spoke from heaven. Now, it says first of all that He was praying. Jesus is praying. Why does Luke mention that Jesus was praying when the heavens opened and the Spirit came and God spoke? Why is that mentioned? I think it's... None of the other Gospels tell us that He was praying. But He did. Because He always prayed. He prayed whenever there were significant times in His life. And that's what we do whenever there's a decision that God needs to make in our lives and we need to know what it is, we pray, don't we? Well, Jesus did that. So, we look in Luke 5.16. We're going to do some quick turning here, but look at these particular times when Luke prayed. But the news about Him was spreading even farther and large crowds were gathering to hear Him and to be healed with their sickness. Of their sickness, Jesus, in verse 16, but Jesus Himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Whenever all of the uh, needs that people had, there was a time that he just had to get away. Uh, in chapter 6, verse 12. It was at this time when he went off to the mountain to pray. And he, sent the whole, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Chapter 9, verse 18. Again, Jesus is 
praying. And he happened, and it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he questioned them, saying, Who do the people say that I am? This is the great confession of Peter. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right? He was praying at that time that Peter would say that. And he did. Chapter, or, uh, same chapter. Look at verse 28. I really have to put these in because these are important for us. Some eight days after these sayings, he took along Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. This is the transfiguration. And he prays. Peter, James, and John. Went up there to pray. Chapter 20. No, verse 22. Verse 22. No, 2241, I'm sorry. Luke 2241. This is Luke talking about Jesus praying. All of these are right out of the book of Luke. 2241. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and began to pray. When was that? At Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified. Or that same morning, really, as that day is. There, 2334. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He's on the cross. Father, forgive them. Jesus prayed. These were key elements. And He prayed all the time. You know. And what does that mean to us? We are to do that all the time. And it's usually at times whenever you would think, well, you know, why does Jesus need to pray? Well, He has a relationship with God the Father in an amazing way. And by the way, God the Father blessed Him because the manifestation of the Holy Spirit was sent to confirm the Messiahship. We see that the heaven was op- heavens were open. Divine being here is revealed. Divine words are spoken. We see the three persons of the Trinity right here in this text. How can people deny the Trinity? You have the Holy Spirit coming upon Christ who is there at the same time. And they're standing there at the Jordan River. And here comes this man in the middle of all the other people there that are being baptized, maybe at the end of the line or whatever, and all of a sudden, while he's being baptized, all these people are here, heaven opens. Down comes the Holy Spirit, settles on him like the form of a dove, so that everybody can see something here. What's the significance of the Spirit descending like a dove in the form of a dove? God answers Jesus His prayer by sending His Spirit in a visible way. That people would see this. It wasn't an eagle, majestic as eagles are. And it wasn't some kind of a hawk or a cardinal in the beauty that they have. It's a dove. What does a dove represent? Innocence. Purity. By the way, doves could be sacrificed and as Mary and Joseph did for Jesus. It's a symbolic thing that's happening here. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit is on Jesus. John Owen said this, the Holy Spirit is the immediate, peculiar, efficient cause of all external divine operations and hence He, Jesus, 
is the immediate operator of all divine acts of the Son Himself, even on His own human nature. Whatever the Son of God wrought in by or upon the human nature, He did it by the Holy Spirit. What Jesus did was by the Holy Spirit. A voice comes from God. Thou art my beloved Son. In Thee I am well pleased. The Son, it's baptism. The Spirit, it's anointing. The Father, it's a testimony. Don't have time to go to those Scriptures, but the Father bears witness of Me, Jesus says. The Father is the greatest witness of the Son. Right? He is giving witness testimony to Jesus here. I, I am well pleased with Him. Hear Him as He has said before. In Psalm 2 verse 7 where that's first mentioned, it's about the Messiah. A thousand years before the Messiah comes. This is My Son. This is God the Son. This is equality to Me. My son, this Messiah will be equal to me. He will be God. He will be deity. The ultimate testimony is going to launch Jesus into His ministry. There were people, there were John the Baptist who saw it. People who were being baptized by the hundreds, the thousands, who knows how many is there at the time. John saw it. The people saw it. I think it should have been very clear They should have known. What more do you need than a visible representation of the Spirit of God, the testimony of God that came bellowing through there as there at that river, as you can hear Him attesting to the Son. This should be launching enough to anyone, definitely to John the Baptist, to this the Son of God. Jesus at this very point, is officially inaugurated into His ministry. The greatest ministry ever. We are peering in on this and by the power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, we get to see what was happening 2,000 years ago. This is incredible, folks. Because God's saying, this is it. This is who I take my delight in. The Son. Holy Spirit is on Him. Anybody that denies the Trinity denies God. The Trinity is throughout the Scripture. Very hard for humans to understand, but the Trinity is there. And it is part of the creeds, part of the history of the church. The church fought over that in the early years, but they looked at these Scriptures. This would be one of them. There you have the inauguration of the Messiah, God's sinless Son, the Anointed One, empowered by the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, right there in one spot. You can hear it. You can see it. You can feel it. He came in the world to save sinners and establish God's kingdom. Jesus coming to be baptized was different in that He was starting ministry. That's why that's there. Also, Jesus' ministry breaks from John's ministry. This is a break, a clear mark. Even though He's got six months, He's going to fade. 
This, ministry, this is making it clear. And that's why Luke avoids anything else that the other Gospel writers did. Not that they were wrong. He's perfectly right in doing what he did in going out of chronological order. John the Baptist put him into prison. Next verse, John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus. Do you see clearly why Luke would do what he did? This is God's fullest approval and blessing. The ministry is ready to start. Let's pray. Father, we are in awe and we are amazed of how You made it very clear that Jesus' ministry was not a fake. It was not just something that He just wanted to do, but it came from eternity past when the whole Trinity was involved as all salvation is involved too. And this is the story. This is the Gospel. And Lord, every week that we come here and every week that we prepare for this, we get to see hopefully a more deeper view of Christ and the plan of the triune God. Help us to realize that on stories we're so familiar with that this is not just old hat, but it becomes fresh to us and that we would be able to proclaim and to be witnesses and giving a testimony of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior who we worshipped here today. Help us to go and do the same as we step out of these doors today and as we give testimony of the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to come to communion. Before you do it, make sure that you are instead in the walk with the Lord and are desiring to follow Him. We desire to be forgiven. Even though we have been, we are being forgiven. So we continue to confess our sins so that we would present to other people a glorious God who is a glorious God in our view. Father, we come confessing our sin where we have not been like Jesus, not even like John the Baptist, but help us to decrease in our lives, our own selves. It's not about us. We're selfish. We're prideful. We're very sinful. Lord, with the Holy Spirit, we can keep decreasing. Continue with those kind of battles, those kind of sins. May Christ be increasing in every element of our lives so it brings glory to Your name. And may this taking of the Lord's Supper now as we confess our sins before You, desiring to be walking in a clean fellowship with You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
Bob, could you read this somewhere? Lord Jesus, when you uh, initiated this Last Supper with your apostles, with the disciples, Lord, you had a very uh, personal and intimate meal with them, what we call the Last Supper, and uh, you showed your love for you, for you, for them, Lord, and uh, you also showed them that they were to be this way toward toward others, toward their brothers and sisters uh, in the faith, and that they were to continue, not because of the tradition, but because of what Jesus would do for all of his people for all eternity by his sacrifice. So he gave us these elements, and um, they symbolize Christ, his body, Christ, his blood, and the sacrifice of the, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Uh, he brought that reality and the, the realness to what had been uh, prophesied, what had been given all through the, the law and the prophets. And so, Lord, that love he was showing that closeness, that intimacy with his disciples. He continues to give to us, to give to his people in the church. And each time we do this, Lord, we're, we're, uh, we're taking communion in remembrance of the first time that this was done and for the reasons of Christ's death. And thank the Lord he was also, after being buried, he was also raised and ascended to the Father, because now he's interceding for us. And so, Lord, we gladly receive these bread and the juice for our testimony to you, Lord, that we receive your love and that we receive your commandment to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the blessing is, Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the vine. Certainly thank the Lord. It has been a blessed day. Um, as we close out of here, 
uh, want to remember Cindy as uh, she goes through uh, her uh, chemo um, again. She's done one now. She starts her second one, right, Penny? Penny and Frida uh, right there alongside of her. And, and uh, uh, t uh, she's giving us a testimony. She's, she's uh, going through a, a tough thing, but the Lord keeps her strong. Thank the Lord how He's doing this. You know, He knows what He's doing. And uh, also, uh, Rebecca, she's not there in her seat right at the moment, but uh, we know it could be any time. So be praying for her that that delivery would be uh, safe and uh, um, quick <laughs> and all the good things that go with it. And uh, I think by now you guys have pretty well got this thing down, how this works with the hospital and all that. So. No, you never do <laughs> no, It changes every time. <laughs> yeah. But we're thankful for that. We, we can't wait to see um, when, whenever um, she brings back. I'm thinking probably this week. Now, I'm just going, that's a week early. But uh, I, Janice just said she thinks it's next week, too. So. Lord knows. We shall see. We will see. Anyway, I'm sure she wouldn't mind a prayer. You can think of it as we go through the rest of the week, too, as uh, she uh, goes through all those things. Lord, we thank You for this day. What a privilege it has been to glorify You. Uh, Lord, it's all about Your Word and Your Spirit. Jesus Christ, uh, may that truly be above in our minds on everything. Uh, we pray for Cindy, and as she gets those treatments, that they would take effect on her, and uh, that she would be able to have a really good recovery. Uh, we just want to... Thank you that um, that uh, she's being taken care of, and uh, we also pray for Rebecca as uh, she gets ready for um, a near soon delivery, and all the different things that she has to go through. We we know, Lord, it can be uh, hard, but uh, you make it there as you are there too with uh, her and Zach and the whole family and uh, how precious uh, they all have been to us and great witnesses. Lord, we uh, thank You. And as we go out of here, may we uh, carry the seed of the Gospel to people who are in need. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I do. Don't you let me know. If you answer your phone. Call once and then forget it. Okay. You know. Okay, you get your message. The bad thing is, I ain't gone. Oh, today? Oh, wait. Wait a minute. We have a birthday today. A special lady in here. Everybody's wondering who it is. You got it now, right? Anna? Is it your birthday? Oh, that's precious. All right. I think it's fantastic. I think that you ought to sing a birthday song for us. Okay, we'll sing it to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Anna. Happy birthday to you. How old are you, Anna? That's it.
Sweet. Yeah. Six. Can you guys believe it? She's so six. I didn't remember. I didn't I didn't remember that. Now I know. I knew it was around this time somewhere. I knew that because I was telling you know when our store shut down? That was six years ago. That was in January of 2012. This is 18. And she was born that very same year because I was dealing with some things about that same time, you know, and uh, the store and all the business. And I was that certain things. I but I didn't remember the day. I can't either. I can't either. It seems like she ought to be like three years old. But then you have Aurora, and guess how old she is? Three. That's right, you know that. Oh, don't we? Yeah. I, I sure do. Yeah. Oh, this is how powerful a man was. Wasn't here very long. Yeah. One of the God's word, boy, it still speaks every day, doesn't it? You guys are ready. I know. I laugh. Sorry, Rebecca. I hope you do. Thank <laughs> you. 
That's what I was just asking, going, duh, get those back. Let's put them somewhere safe. And she's like saying, how would you do that? She's like, how would you do that? She's like, how would you do that? Cindy wins. Yeah, Cindy doesn't feel like they have to do that. I would call her. That's what I was trying to tell her. And she was, Google, she shut my ears. I'm sure. Yeah, I just, I think we need fans. Yep, it's a. She did. What'd she do? And she made a little comment. It is. It's like, let me know.
you know, I don't want this church to die in my the guy that's supposed to be overseeing it, he messed up his uh, muscles and his leg. He had his surgery done on Tuesday or Wednesday. He's not supposed to be overseeing it. So now you just got to put the in there. And that's what the back and forth where they can't get fenced because. This guy is supposed to be managing. He's supposed to tell everybody. He's there. He's watching what's going on and making sure everybody's working with each other, still against each other. And they're all Mm -hmm. came in with the mail and there was 
just wash my hair. <laughs> just, anyway, the, uh, even over there, she offered me a shower over there because I said there. I almost didn't make the appointment because all of a sudden they're sitting there saying they're going to do this and that and this and that, and they pulled my one toilet that we were using, and then they pulled the other toilet. I'm getting ready to leave up the house to get an air appointment, and I'm, both of my toilets are now going. One was already going, and then they turned around, they pulled the other one, and they pulled all the vanity. I had a vanity left in my master. That's all I had. I thought, well, there's some water. They turned the water off. The plumber's underneath the sink. I mean, that's been the whole thing. Is I keep saying, just I tell the farm guys, I said, I just kind of you know, let me know because they started on the hardwoods and they told me one thing: they're going to get the most a bathroom for them, and they do that. But they get the shower in there. Did you count your shower? That's going to be too. That's what the other day big rumpus was all about. So you're not going to use your I've been watching my kitchen, my refrigerator is been using paper plates on. I actually know we're using because um, my favorite thing we eat needs to be cut. <laughs> but uh, in the washroom I have a little wash sink oh, in there. Yeah. So I at the end of the day, when I can if I can maneuver, I go in and wash up my dishes. such a hard time that was on Wednesday uh, and I thought others taking the countertops up and they're supposed to put everything back like okay because they had to pull the countertops all up the guys would and guarantee mm -hmm. the countertops unless they remake they wanted a raw measurement underneath the actual countertops they, they did it too many times and they said it cost them too much money so that's their standard thing to do that but Jeff was one uh, Saps is the one that recommended and working with them. So I kind of go, like, well, that shouldn't be any news. You know, anyway, they said, we're going to have 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 to we have a 48-hour thing before we step on. They put in balsamite. They had to put a roller. They mud it all down and put some kind of orange uh, layered stuff there. And that's sitting so so long before they can step on that. So he's sitting there telling us to get her for the next morning. And Dennis says, okay. And I go, no, not okay. <laughs> you got to text him back and tell him. Okay take out our pots and pans. We can't, we're not walking to the kitchen. We're in the other room. Yeah. The lane, yeah, lane. Yeah, that's so Yeah, that is But the flooring guys were in there Friday, and they were really going to get to it. And then they started working 
I wish they would have lifted the chair. I wish they would have done it. I don't know why they should do it. They're in there, but I'm sorry. Sandy and they're not getting very far. And, but they'd already started Wednesday on that wood floor. And I guess then they stopped and did the front bathroom floor.
<laughs> and by then, I'm like, oh, there's no noise, there's no sounds, there's no people running in and out of my house. I can find the bathroom and use it, you know. <laughs> I didn't see how I parked out there, did you? I parked in the middle of it. I did too, between two of them. I want a little bit more space to move around. So wide. Is it cool? Well, I'm standing out there without a jacket. I went cold, but well, there's a little breeze happening. I couldn't decide today what it's gone out. Be like. Well, the sun I kept on thinking, oh, she's probably on that because they're vibrating in the beach down there. But um, she ended up, she went to Florida because I just got through reading it a couple nights ago that she was down visiting her grandma. And oh. then Anita and Andy are out in California. They're going to be back Tuesday on a vacation. That's not good to go back to that kind of weather. California. Oh, they went out to Disney World. Oh, okay. And they rented a. Should they hooked them up with Pete? <laughs> they rented a, a Chevy convertible that they drove while they were out there. They thought that was fun. It was really fun. Convertible? Yeah. Snowbird. And Nina had a picture of her sitting on top of the convertible. But I said the top was up. It must have been chilly out there because I saw a picture of her it and Andy. Is. And yeah, and they were wearing. They weren't wearing summer clothes. Though. This time last year, That's when you guys were out exactly there. the same time we were out there. Mm -hmm. And I thought that, okay, that's LA, it's warm out there all the time. And I said, isn't it, isn't it like warm? How come it's so cold? And I said, well, it's always like that at nighttime. And, and even at the days, there were days when it was warmer here than it was there. And they said something about they were having some storms out there too. Oh, now, now like the East Coast. Yeah, when they have storms, they have mudslides, and they're expecting those to happen again. Yeah, the they're going to be home. They're going to be home on Tuesday, so. Yeah, he's using his bath towel as part of his blanket. Oh, I froze it, right? <laughs> they didn't. They didn't turn on the heat, but it would be. Well, it would get down into the 50s, maybe even upper 40s. You know. It's and it was just so cold just every night, and, and I took everything that I had and I piled clothes, you know, on top. Just because they, they gave me a blanket and, and some covers, but it it was, it was I don't know, it's just a different kind of cold. But even during the days, like we'd go there in the morning, we'd get there early, and it'd be like six o'clock in the morning, and I didn't really have a really big coat. Because you were going to LA, and I, yeah. I had like suit jackets. But they said, well, this is the desert. And they say, yeah, and, and when it would get about 5 o'clock, whenever the sun would start kind of getting uh, kind of lower and setting, it, it would do kind of what it does here. And all of a sudden it was like, boy, I was warm while I go at 3 o'clock, and just like that all of a sudden it got real cold. because it's a dry cold, you know? Yes. Not, yeah. not that moisture in the air that right. keeps the... It was, yeah, right. Wow. He's, 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 he was never so cold the whole time he was there. <laughs> but then there were a couple of days where it actually got hot in the afternoon and you'd get underneath something, you know, because that sun, whenever there's no clouds, you know, they don't have straight. clouds either, no. you know, very much. Okay. And it's a, it's a high sky and a blue sky, you know, and that sun bears down on you so you'd have these places, you know, to, to eat outside. Is what we so you're going to be in the sun or you, want, you don't want to be in the shade. It's in any pictures. 
them being in Disney World with shorts on mostly, actually, and jeans, and they had a jacket on. Yeah, it's surprising. And we were in a jacket. And then you start watching some of those those shows, and there's mm -hmm. so many of them that are out in L.A., you know, and they're always wearing a leather jacket. Yeah. And you go, what are they wearing that for? That, what is it? Probably 80 degrees <laughs> there, right? And but But the temperatures change. Yeah, it can get hot during the day, even at this time mm -hmm. of the year, but... It doesn't. I thought, but boy, when it gets hot, they went probably at a good time, really. Because in the summertime, it gets a hundred, and it doesn't go down any lower. It just stays through the night. And a lot of them don't even they, they don't use air conditioners because I think it is very expensive. To, to oh, air even the housing's expensive out there. Oh, yeah. If um, my where I work, the scraper which is Jack's brother-in-law. He went out to California and they lived out there for a few years and they had bought a house when they were first out there, which was really expensive, but when they were getting ready to come back here, they ended up selling the house and renting an apartment, which was a nothing apartment. I mean, a really nothing apartment. And it was like $1,500 a month. So That's probably like a one bedroom. It was, and it didn't have a very good kitchen. It was really not nice. And, um, yeah, well, the house that you're living in would be a million-dollar house. My other friend, um, he was in the Marines, his son was, or in the Air Force, and he came back and he said that that farmhouse that we were out there yeah. living in, he told me, he said, a house like that would go for over a million dollars out there. as big as that is and everything. And he, said, yeah. and he said the house that he built, and his, he was, uh, he's actually, works for a big company, and he's the... Uh, for some big company, be like second in command, so he's doing really good. His wife's a doctor. The house they built was well over a million dollars, not a big house. And he said, This is how close his neighbor is. There's not no land. Uh, no breathing space, no, no elbow breathing space. space right, yeah. right there. Well, that, and that was really funny because I mean, he was born and raised in Michigan. And he was out of the farm, he was sitting out there. He said something about. He had gotten flown into Detroit and drove a car back up there. And he said, now I had bugs all over my car. I don't have bugs like that out in California. And I said, why would you? There's no place for them to live. <laughs> there's right no place for them to live. Yeah, I mean, concrete, concrete. Where are they going to live There's so much pollution. And then he said something about, we were something back. He said something about being cold. And I said, oh, shut up. You were raised in Michigan. Hard enough. But when he joined the Air Force, he went out there. And um, he ended up being stationed out there. And then he was an accountant for the Air Force. And then he got a job downtown for the Air Force. And, one job led to another, and he makes probably buku's of money. He but probably makes over a hundred thousand. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, to live out there and to live comfortable. Oh yeah, oh, that's five hundred. Yeah, pretty well up around that area. I'm thinking, yeah, I have no desire to live out there. I don't even. Have, I wouldn't even want to move between the places. Oh, <laughs> well, the taxes are really. Everything else just need to visit there, ain't you? Well, that's where Dana thinks she wants to go. Her husband, she married. His folks are from there. But I don't know if they're, um, I don't know if they're closer to Mexico, you know, like way southern down California, like the way, way southern part of it, oh, really? or where they're at. Because yeah, California is a fairly Well, LA is about, I think, it's uh, about 100 miles from San Diego.
San Diego is right on the border there of Mexico. So anything south of LA, LA is in Southern California anyway. Uh, anything furthest is really close to Mexico. Yeah, yeah and I know that that's what she thinks they want to go out there, but right now they're uh, shooting up for another four years. So well, Last year, she was in. He retested a lot, so that the higher your rank is, the better pension you get. So he made sure he kept moving his rank up a little bit. So that's really why. Yeah. And so, and right now their medical is not as good as it was because for a while they retired. They still had medical, and they still pay for some of When Obama was in, he took a lot of that Took it away. Then we need to hear more stories like that because a lot of people are saying, "Oh, you know, Trump's taking it away." And he started, and he started taxing um, the money. We see before his pension was a tax. Have they done away with that law yet? That needs to be struck out. That's incredibly. Oh man, that is just. You know, that's a double taxation. Yeah. For like, you've already been taxed anyway. For like um, John's VA check that I don't get anymore, but they never that was never taxed, which was nice. But and I didn't think Steve was taxed, but he told me that they had when Obama got it, he took that away. They had had dental and they took that away. Really? Yeah. Really? There were a few other things that. So he didn't gain anything whatsoever no, that he is, lost. And well, the thing is, he worked all those years. And he stayed in for that pension. That was why he stayed in there. So. I, I, I was hoping the very first thing they did was get rid of all that whole package of Obamacare. And that's what, really, the, the president was wanting to do. He was wanting to get rid of all of that and start all over. And the Republicans, those foolish people, didn't go along with them, and they should have. You know, they had, they, had, they could have done that. everything. That that's that uh, cold brew tea. Does that taste worth anything, or is it weird tasted? Tastes good. Is he caffeinated brew tea? Is there sugar in it? No, there's nothing. Oh. Do you want sugar in it? No, I want. So we'll you drink tea without sugar? Oh, I don't like sugar. Really? Well, it's actually good. It's not really bitter. Tea bags we have here. So you try Made it. It's a little thirsty. It's not bitter or anything. It's just nice. Sometimes you get it. Yeah. It's good. 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 It's
They got four bedrooms. Really? Yeah, well, right. They had three in the upper part of the house, you know, and they're marrying their kids off. Yeah, that's what it always works. <laughs> well, what happened is they, when you went in the back door down there, uh -huh. they ended up, that was, uh, it had a fireplace and it went out in the basement and everything. And they gutted it and we did that and did that into a bedroom and made a hallway down there. So that if you come in from the back door, you come up the hallway and then up the hallway to the other door. So there's a, bedroom down there for the boys and then they had their room and there were two bedrooms up in the upper part of the house so now Eli's got a room off himself which he really likes and um, Isaiah and Zachariah have the downstairs bedroom and then Olivia has the other bedroom in their room but they did it they put all that like purple yeah, yeah, yeah a pre a food they call manufactured would. And that's what everybody's doing now. And it snaps together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jenny and Tony are coming because I I had asked Penny boys if they could help me put down that Malone. It's not going to be a big deal. And they've been too busy. So, you know, I know that, and I had. Is that, or is that what you're going to do? Just a little straight linoleum in there? Yep. And, I had, and I already bought it. I mean, like the royal or do you yeah. stick on? No, I'm doing the royal. Um, and it said that it either, it could either be just laid down or it could be blue. And I'll let Tony judge that because he does that stuff. He builds houses, he's built whole houses. And he does more expensive stuff than that, so this is not going to be a problem for him. Yeah. And both of the bathrooms and the washroom are both six by clothes. Except for the cutouts in the bathroom, which I would not have to That's where we're sitting at, yeah. They didn't get our kitchen for even finished tile. They only got it. It looks like it's almost done, but then we have that. Um, You're getting the ceramic tiles over. Yeah, in the. Um, that looks like they, they're pretty much up to the front roof uh, walkway, you know, to come into the kitchen, the garage. They're pretty much up to that wall. That's where they're at. So usually they just have to do to the garage. But because the hardwoods got damaged also on the walkway from the outside driveway on the other side, but they're actually we're putting tile on both of those entrances coming in now. So they just cut out the hardwood so more that was damaged and then they're just going path to the front to the kitchen. So because that's what this always bothered me. He comes if you come in that side door, you step and there's a little piece of tile there, and then there's hardwoods and then there's a the floor and I every time I said there's always tracks of salt and everything on the hardwoods and they're mopping it real quick, pop the dry well, So that's where it's got to so. Yeah, the guy that did put their carpet, the same guy that came up my burger stuff, when he put their carpet in, he actually in their front door. He cut up the carpet and he put a, a little step, a, a drop. <coughs> yeah. yeah, they have a name for that, yeah. And, and it turned out real nice. 